in. This is Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith FM. And as we come back from the news, we find that there is a winner for the quiz. And congratulations to Michael from Kurumbong, who got the answer before I did. You will be getting two prizes, and they will be in the post for you in just a moment. Yay, However, Michael! what does that what that does mean is that we are about to start another quiz. Yes, indeed. Did you cheat and look at the answer already? Okay, good. All right. Good on you. Okay. Let's try another who am I. Well, no. Yeah, the who am I. Who am I sounds good. Wait, this are you holding? This is the wrong quiz clue card. I just drew it out of the box. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, do you know what? Just in case you cheated, because I know that you have a little <coughs> weakness there for enjoying winning so much. <laughs> I did not cheat. <laughs> I'm going to do a different quiz card. So, this is clue number one for a what book am I? Quiz. Ooh, you ready? Yes. Okay. I think you might like this one, Lyle. Mm-hmm. Clue number one, this book declares that those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever and ever. Easy peasy. You know who that peasy. is, don't you? I'll give you a book, chapter and verse on that. No. <laughs> this does happen to be Lyle's one, one of Lyle's favorite books. Um, so that's a clue in and of itself right there because Lyle's always talking about it. But give us a call if you know the answer. The number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text your answers 0491-064-669 and we will send you a wonderful prize. Fantastic. Uh, okay, so we Oh, yeah, are, by yeah. the way, the answer to the last quiz was Hosea. Oh. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you, Lyle? Look I, at the no, confused I was, face. Um, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I was a long way away from that one. Anyway, moving on with our Bible study for today, we are talking about culture and um, the gospel. Um, and as we get into this particular Bible study, let me ask you a question, Mon. What is the message? It is a version of the Bible that you don't like. That's not entirely correct. <laughs> it's not entirely correct, but it is partly incorrect. Okay. It is not a Bible, a version of the Bible. Okay. It is a paraphrase of the Bible. There is a difference between a Bible version and a Bible paraphrase. A Bible version is something that has a, is a translation of the Bible or an attempted translation of the Bible, whereas the message is a paraphrase. Okay. Okay, so... And it's not le- not 100% that I don't dislike it. It's fine because a paraphrase is not a Bible. It is a devotional book. Mm-hmm. So while ever you call it either a paraphrase or a devotional book, then I have no problem with it. But uh, you can't use a paraphrase to teach you know, doctrinal yeah. truth kind of thing. And I think that's maybe where some people have a little bit of beef with it is that you know, although it does claim to be a paraphrase, not everyone who goes out people there use buys the, people, it. People get, use them like Bibles. Yeah, yeah. Cause it, you shouldn't be using it like a Bible. You should be using it like a devotional book, a mm-hmm. good devotional book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a number of paraphrases out there, and I have no objection to reading them. I quite enjoy reading them on occasions. Like a novel. No, nah, it's better than a novel. It's, 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 it's more like a, um, you know, an author who's put together a really good way of... Reading biblical content. Because a novel, a novel is something that is um, is not true. Well, I mean, you can make it sort of novel style reading, so it's like easy reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Absolutely, it's easy reading style. It's uh, if if you read it, it's very much like you know, for somebody who's reading the Bible for the first time or wants to read about the Bible, I should say. 
I would, I would, I wouldn't actually say that. I would say it's more for people who are very familiar with the Bible and have read many times and who just want to enjoy maybe a different slant on it. They can increase their understanding. That's what I see the message as being good yeah. for. I, I think it's the first I think, time you should get the, the the true sort of you know. Well, the, a true let's see if we can stir up some controversy on this one. We'll get all yeah, our I message think- fans to call <laughs> and say, "No, it's a Bible." Yeah, I think we. And I'm going to say, "No, it's not." We're stirring up quite a few people today. That's right. I don't mind. You're allowed to disagree with me. I don't, I, I don't object when people disagree with me. So we're talking about culture again. I but, but I do think that uh, it is a devotional book. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the message, wherever the word gospel appears in the message, it doesn't use the word gospel. Wherever the word gospel appears in the message. It doesn't use the word gospel. It doesn't. Okay. It uses the word or the words, the message. Oh. So then I ask my question again, what is the message? Is the message the gospel? Yes. Well. So this is where, of course, Eugene Patterson got the title for his paraphrase from. Um, He got it from the concept of the gospel. He translated the gospel as the message. And then, of course, he's gone, you know what? I'll call my paraphrase the message. Or maybe it was the other way around. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. Maybe we should get him on the... on the. Yeah, on, give his number. Give him a call. Give him a call. <laughs> Do an interview. See if, see if he agrees with me or not. Is this a devotional book? What's the other one that's out there? There's another famous one that's out there. Um, the NIV. <laughs> yeah, no, not the NIV. Um, oh, there's another one similar to the message. And uh, Jack Blanco's one. What was that one called? It's, it's escaped me right now. But if you give him a call, he will very plainly tell you, this is not a Bible. Uh-huh. This is a good devotional book. Uh-huh. In fact, he wrote it as a part of his devotions. Oh, really? Yeah, he was having his devotions and he just paraphrased the Bible as he went. Okay. Which is actually not a bad idea to do for yeah. your own. And then he was like, yeah, he finished it and got to the end of it and go, you know what? I'm going to publish, publish this. this. Yeah. And, uh, and he did. And then some people kind of talk about it as the Bible. And it's like, no. Uh-oh. He's very much certain it's not the Bible. It'd be interesting to see whether Eugene Patterson takes the same view. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, I think it's dangerous when you start claiming your paraphrase is an actual word of God. Yeah. Particularly when you've got a. Something that is both a paraphrase and is translated by one person. Mm, that's right. Um, because you know, it uh, you can never you, you're never going to get an accurate translation from one person. You need to have a team of people, which is one of the reasons. You know, one of the reasons why I like my old KJV. Why? You know, you know, um, it's called the King James version because King James of England um, commissioned it. Okay. Um, as opposed to some people I've heard of like, well, if it was good enough for the Apostle James, it's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, so King James commissioned it and he wanted to get a really, really high-quality, accurate translation of the Bible. Uh-huh. And there were several English versions around, such as the Tyndale version and so forth, which have been translated you know, more or less by one person. Yeah. And so he wanted to get a team together. And, of course, there were two Protestant churches in England at the time. There was the Anglican Church and there were the Puritans and they both hated each other. Mm-hmm. In fact, on occasions they would go to war with each other. 
human. And so the Anglicans came to King James and said, well, we have to translate it because if the Puritans translate it, they're going to mess it up yeah. and they're going to twist it their direction. And the Puritans came along and said, well, we have to translate it because if the Anglicans do it, you know, they're going to twist it their direction. And, and the translation is going to become a, um, a war between these two competing factions, you know, competing Protestant churches within England, and the Bible will be will end up being you know twisted one way or the other. And King James, you know, is very very unremarkable British king, except for this one thing: he recognised that he could not give the translation to either side. And so you know what he did? What? He gave it to them both. Oh, and they both had to come to agreement on each verse before it could be published. Wow. That's amazing. And so if the Anglicans wanted to twist it one way and the Puritans wanted to twist it the other way, they had to find They actually had to agree and so they actually had to sit down uh, and use their scholarship to actually find out what it actually And that's one of the reasons why it's lasted so long. And so it wasn't I for some reason I thought it was the first English translation. Yeah, no, there was a bunch of them uh What was the first the, English one? Um, John Wycliffe's Bible. I do believe there may have been one that preceded John Wycliffe's in sort of like a, an English gentleman who sat down and did it for his um, hobby one time, a bit like uh, you know Jack, Blank- Jack Blanco or Eugene Patterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but John Wycliffe's one English translation was the first translation that was made available. Okay, okay. And Tyndale's translation was the first one that was made available to the public. And so this, and so with this whole Anglican and uh, Puritan business, this is why the King James is kind of considered to be the most accurate. Is that yeah? Because they refined it and refined it and refined it and polished it and polished it and polished it. Um, and the level of scholarship they had involved in that particular translation was just amazing. So, but that is the accurate uh, reputation of the King James is that it's most it accurate does, in the English Well, it it uh, that would be debatable, but uh, by many people, but it does carry a lot of credibility, and rightfully so, mm-hmm. um, even right down to today. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Not quite sure how we got sidetracked under talking about translations You asked here. me about the message. Translations are always so much fun to talk about. Yeah. And they always create so much debate and everybody has their favourite. Yeah, that's right. And their yeah. least favourite. What's your what's your Well I remember when I was a kid least favorite. When I remember when I was a kid I used to um for some reason I had a copy of the Good News Bible. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, and I liked it because I had pictures and it was easy to understand as a kid. Uh-huh. And um The classic stick men. Yes. <laughs> they, were the best, they were the best kids' Bibles because you could sit in church and just turn from one page to the, the next, next, the next, yeah, and look at all of these stickmen yeah, all the way yeah. through. That's I don't it. know who the artist was, but... Uh, he did a good job. He did a he great did a job. job. He I, entertained millions of children across the world during it. boring sermons. That's <laughs> so true. And I remember, I remember there was one verse in Proverbs that talked about, you know, grey hair being um, a person's glory or something like that. Which is not quite what the verse says in the King James or the NIV or the NKJV. Well, it talked about his forehead, I'm sure. No, no, it was grey. It, oh. it said grey. And so I remember one time I had an argument with the pastor about how good grey hair was, and I was like, "Well, the Bible said it's good," and he was like, "Where would it say that?" And I and I quoted that, and he's like, "That's not in the Bible." And I'm like, "It is. I know it. I've seen the little stickman picture." And so we had a little argument. And he was like, "You bring me this Bible verse, and I'll give you five bucks." And so the <laughs> next day, I turned up with my challenge good, accepted. Yeah, I turned up with my good. News news bible and at that point i realized the disdain a lot of people have for the good news <laughs> I, I was a teenager at that time and i didn't realize and so i was, I was like look he says it right here it is even a picture and he, he was like 
Oh, you have the good news Bible. <laughs> he still had to give me five bucks, so. though. Do, do not challenge Mon. Yeah. Do not challenge Mon with a financial incentive to find a verse in the Bible. That's right. You put your money down, you're going to lose it. <laughs> I saw a verse in the Bible yesterday, I think it was, and I can't remember where it is now, about men wiping dishes. Really? Yeah, I have to see if I can find that yeah, one. Yeah, bring the next that song one break. back. This is the best thing about the Bible is you can read it over and over again throughout your entire life, and you still find new stuff. Even if you read the same verses over, they can often mean different things to you in different stages of your life. So yeah, whichever version of the Bible we have, you have, we definitely recommend that you uh, read it daily. Oh, you, fa- you found it. it. I just found it. You found- I found it. Oh, I don't think Move I should read this one. Listen closely. No, no, read it. No, read I think it. I'm going to skip it. No, no, no. What's the what's the no? no what's the reference? In fact, Everyone I think this, needs to I think this, this book, this, this verse no, needs Lyle, to be removed we're not, I'm not from the Bible. I'm not going to let you progress in this study until you've told us what this verse is about men doing dishes. Okay. All right. Ah, our producer's holding it up. Second Kings twenty one <laughs> verses thirteen. <laughs> Read it out now. Somebody somebody had the hide to put this on Facebook. Okay. I will stretch over Jerusalem Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. Yes! <laughs> Men, get in the kitchen and do the dishes! Make me a sandwich while you're there! <laughs> I love it! Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Well, you know, there is, there is we, we could have an alternative interpretation to this. Could we? Yes, we could do the dishes. This could be about men doing the dishes man's way. You know well, how men do dishes? I they, know they clean how them off of the table and throw them in the rubbish bin. <laughs> Lyle. And see here, this verse is actually, the interpretation of this verse, let's interpret the verse now, mm-hmm. is actually, the interpretation is God destroying Jerusalem. So this would be men destroying you know? Oh, goodness me. I think we like to think of it in the way that my no. new housemates do. Our dishes. producers are both shaking their heads. Do you know, my, my two new, I have some new housemates as of like a week or two ago, and uh, two of them, Jade and Tom, they're men and they do dishes like pros. Like to the point where once they're finished, they actually clean the sink, they wipe down the sink and then they put everything away, including the dish rack. Like they do dishes the way I do dishes, which is uncommonly good. I bet you don't do dishes as well as I do. You don't do them at all, Isle. You just chuck them in the last bin. time. Last time I um, did dishes, it involved an angle grinder and a drill <laughs> and a wire brush. And they came up clean, clean, clean. I bet they Who needs busted. steel wool when you have power tools? Oh, Lyle. We are so off track. Yes. We went from Bible versions to doing dishes. Matthew 28, verse 5 to 7. Please, Mon. Matthew 28, verses 5 to 7. Let sometimes we have too much fun. Yeah. And no, sometimes just... people remind us to take our Bible study more seriously. Matthew 28, verse 5 to 7. Let's summarize the message that we find here. Okay, verses 5 to 7 says this. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Sorry, the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Okay, I find this very interesting. If you were to talk to somebody today, a Christian today, and say, what is the gospel? Can you summarize the gospel for me? 
Mm-hmm. John 3.16. They would probably go to John 3.16. For yeah. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And so the gospel today focuses on the death of Jesus Christ. Right. If you ask a Christian about it, they are immediately going to go to the death of Christ. Mm-hmm. What you find is... When the disciples, in fact, the very first commission we have here to share the gospel, and this is the first commission to share the gospel, when the disciples shared the gospel, if you had asked the disciples what is the gospel, they wouldn't have said the death of Christ. No, they would have said the They would have said the resurrection, resurrection of Christ. The fact that he'd risen. But I think I know why, though. Because if you think about it right, back then they understood that sin carried a death penalty. And so for someone to have cheated death, essentially, to have conquered death and to have risen... You've cheated sin. Is a way you've of... conquered sin. Yeah, you've conquered sin is a way, is a way of escape, is a way of... No, no cheating involved in of that. freedom, was, right? Yeah. But these days, like now, people don't realize that the consequences of sin is death. That's why death is here. And so to tell someone that someone's raised from the dead, they, like, so what? It's just like a spooky supernatural story. But if you say, look, someone had to die for what you've done... That sort of carries, you know, a different meaning now. That's a really powerful insight. Yeah. I have never thought of that, Mon, but that is a very powerful insight into our culture compared to their culture and our experience compared to their experience. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we don't do the sanctuary anymore. We don't have that whole lamb slaying thing yeah. happening. Yeah. 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 We are not We are not reminded. We, we, we don't realize um, that, you know, the, the relationship between sin and death. Yeah. Yeah. In fact... We, in our secular societies, we reject that idea. Yeah, how many times have you been told, oh, death is just a part of life, death happens to everyone, or even just fake... And the whole concept of succumbing to someone and say, okay, you did this and this and this wrong, therefore you have come under the death penalty. I mean, the first thing they're going to say, turn around and say in our societies, don't judge me, why are you judging me? Mm. You can't judge me. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we've really moved a long, long way culturally from the concept of death... Wow, this is blowing my mind right now. And then also not even just the, the concept that sin carries a death penalty, but we've also moved the boundaries on what sin even is. They still, Very much so. They stand true, but we seem to think the borders have shifted. Yeah, because we look at sin and we want to justify our particular lifestyle, and so what do we do? Right. We come along and we so uh, it's not a sin anymore. We start to push the goalposts, and if you can mm-hmm. change the definition of sin, then you have changed Get the definition of righteousness, and you can do whatever you feel like. Yep. And the Bible actually speaks about that. Um, using the gospel as a license mm. for sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happens when we change the definition for sin. And we often use our culture to do so, and we use cultural arguments. So this is a very important um, chapter that we're looking at, or a week that we're looking at, looking at culture, because, you know, so often uh, people will come and say, you know, uh, well, my culture dictates this and my culture dictates that. For instance, you're German, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, German Christians will say to me, uh, well, you know, there's no problem with drinking beer because in Germany we drink it like water. <laughs> they do. And, and and it's kind of true. And so they like, well, you know, for us in our culture, that's not an issue. Um, and, you know, they're like, for you and your culture, because whenever you drink beer, you just drink to get drunk and you drink you it. You binge drink. And you binge drink, then for you it's a sin, but for us it's not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is where culture can become murky and dangerous and yeah. we can use our culture to push the boundaries. You know, when the Bible says that um, if if a beverage is alcoholic, don't even look, look at, at it. it. 
That's a pretty strong statement, and that and that does not change regardless of the culture that you are living in. Yes, it's super true. Yeah. Whereas there are some things that change a lot in relationship to culture and the way that we worship and the way that we serve God, which are fine, you know, and there's great traditions and great cultures out there that affect the way that we are able to worship. Anyway, Anthem Lights. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. All of creation. Same God that spins things in orbit runs to the weary, the worn and the weak, and the same gentle hands that hold me when I'm broken, they conquer death to bring me victory. Welcome back, everybody. Listen to Faith FM. That was Anthem Lights because he lives here on uh, Faith FM. And we have another clue coming up for our quiz, which is the astrologers assured the king there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. What book am I and where will you find that quote? That number is 1-800-324-843. If you know the answer to that, and a caller has called through to share a little bit of their testimony in relationship to the gospel, and they have given you all a passage of the Bible to read. So I'd encourage you all to go and read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. 
uh, fantastic passage here. And for this particular person, he says that this was where he first understood the gospel was from reading these 10 verses right here. So I'm going to assign that to everybody for homework today. Go and read Amen. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. You will be blessed. Yeah, and if you if you have some verses in the Bible that particularly helped you uh, with your conversion experience, with your understanding of the gospel, then yeah, give us a call and share what they are and then we can share it with the listeners as well. Yeah, probably the one that affected me the most, I think, when I first came to God was Galatians 2.20. Oh, what does that say? For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. To me, that really encapsulated um, the whole of what the gospel was about. You've got the death of Christ. You've got um, his love for us. You've got what he does for us. You've got death to self. You've got the new life in Jesus Christ. You've got all of this happening and taking place. And uh, as a young person, about 15 years old, I um, that really struck me and I memorized it and uh, have never forgotten it and it's always been had a really powerful impact uh, on, on my life and my understanding of the gospel. If you don't read the Bible every day, we definitely recommend that you read the Bible every day. It's just a life-changing book from every age. You know, Lyle, that was changing your life at the age of 15. You know, I remember one of my bosses uh, a few years ago, uh, a good Christian guy, he was telling me how his son was only like eight, nine years old, and every evening he loved to lie in bed and read the Bible. He loved to read the King James Version. And his dad was like, you know, stressing out. Is he understanding it? These words are sometimes so old-timey and big. It takes you about three weeks. Yeah. Read the KJV for three weeks and you'll be fine. You well, can understand w- it after He went that. into his son and he was like, son, do you, want, do you want an easier version of the Bible? I can get you one. It's, you know, do you want me to explain things? And the son's like, no, I love this. He loved it. He's eight, nine years old, loved reading the Bible every evening. So, yeah, we definitely recommend that you uh, get a copy, read the Bible. Definitely. Um, do you have a verse, Mon, that sort of… Yeah, look, uh, I, I love Psalms 20, 34, 34, 24. Uh, my conversion experience uh, was intertwined with a heartbreak, and so the verses in the in Psalms were very dear to me about um, you know God being close to those of a broken heart, and uh, that really really touched me at that time. So yeah, just knowing that He was sharing in sorrow and knew what that was like, mm. yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, you know John three sixteen. I think is going to be very special to many, many, many people. But it is a bit of a classic verse and almost a cliched verse. Mm. And so I think a lot of us, um, myself, just sort of you know take it for granted. We've known it since we were born, just about, and skipped completely over it. But um, yeah, anyway, let's go back to where we were, what we were talking about. And uh, Mon, why don't you uh, read for us Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And by the way, I should say that these two verses here, early on in my experience, I probably, now that I actually see that one uh, written down in our Bible study for today, part of the 20 million movement, 20 million people studying the same passage today, it uh, it does bring to my memory that this was a really powerful um couple of verses mm. that help me understand the gospel um, at the same time as I memorize Galatians 2.20. In fact, I may have even hit this one first, the more I think about it. Anyway, read those ones for us there, please, Mon. So Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Okay. Romans 1. And one of the reasons I like this is because it talks about power. You do not want to have a powerless religion. Romans chapter 1. 
For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Yes, I love it in uh, verse 17 in the KJV, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. You've got this whole growth thing happening. Mm. Um, As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And, of course, here, uh, Paul, one of many places where Paul quotes from the Old Testament to talk about justification by faith and uh, proves that the Old Testament is teaching justification by faith, not justification by works. Many people would say that it teaches justification by works. But there's a couple of things, I think, as a young person, one of the things that really stood out to me here was the power of God to live a righteous life. Yeah. I knew what my life was like. I knew that my life was not a righteous life. And uh, when I read this particular passage, I'm like, you know what? God has the power to change my life. And it gave me a lot of hope and a lot of encouragement at that particular time, that I wasn't just sort of stuck where I was. Um, that I could grow and that I could move on and that um, I could, you know, develop in my experience with God. I think I think as humans we realize that one of the hardest things for us to do is to change. Anyone who's tried to do a diet or an exercise plan knows that change is actually really, really hard, even just on a superficial level like that. But to actually change your character and change your personality and change your, your destiny, oh, you can't do that without the power of Jesus. I, I, I would go so far as to say you can't do any change without yep. Jesus. Indeed, indeed, this is this is very true. Let's go over to First Corinthians chapter two and verse two. So Acts, Romans, Corinthians. Next book of the Bible, First Corinthians chapter two and verse two. What do you got for us there, Mon? Ten Mon, the pages. multitasker who is building the most amazing beanie here while we <laughs> are um, working. It's going to be so warm. Yeah, I lost a bit of hair making this really, beanie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been gluing the outside of the beanie on and it's been going through the beanie and sticking to her hair. Yeah, with hot glue gun. Okay, First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2 says, For I have decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Okay, so uh, let me see here. Um what is it that Paul is focusing on when he goes to the church in Corinth? Well, not the people. He says he'll forget them. It says that. Doesn't it? Probably said that while I was with you, I'd forget everything except Jesus Christ. He's going to forget everything except Jesus Christ. Okay, so what you've got to do is you've got to take this uh, in context. Um, he's just come from Athens. Uh-huh. And he's been preaching in Athens, and you've been to Athens. I have. And Corinth is not very far away. It's not. And Athens was the big educational center, but it wasn't a very big city, but it was a major educational center. Corinth was a massive city and a center of commerce. Paul didn't have a whole lot of success in Athens. Okay. And there he preached a very deep theological sermon about the unknown God and about the altar to the unknown God. Ah, yes, yes. And he debated apologetics on top of uh, you know, Mars Hill, uh, the Areopagite, and uh, um, and won a few people to Jesus Christ, but when he comes to Corinth, he decides to have a different strategy. And this is this is this, this is not that he doesn't care about people. He is not caring about fancy theological 
uh, concepts. No, he's just recognizing there's different cultures and different cultures require different strategies. That's right. He's being strategic. And so here in yeah, very good point. So here in a commercial city, he's recognizing that you know what, it's not going to work. All of these deep theological arguments. I'm just going to focus on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is actually where any business person would recognize different demographic, different strategy. Yeah, Paul, Paul was a smart operator, and we need to be so as well. May Jesus, cru- Jesus crucified be the theme of our thoughts today. This is the Downing Soon Family. We'll be done with the troubles of the world. Going to live with God. No more. No more weeping and wailing. No more. No more weeping and wailing. No more. No more. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your heart to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night. Shall rise, rise, 
God can change my life. I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible study start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Are you looking for free, wholesome fun for the kids these school holidays? Maitland Church is having its winter break Frog Fun Day again for six to nine-year-olds. What do you mean Frog Lyle? Is this a fun day for amphibians? No. Frog stands for fully relying on God. And this holiday's theme is Dare to be Different. Activities include songs, Bible stories, crafts and snacks. This is a one-day-only special event on Wednesday, the 10th of July, starting at 9am. To register your kids, call 0411 The address is 72 Brunswick Street, East Maitland. Kids, you are welcome to bring all your friends, but book now as spaces are limited. That number again, 0411 You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Stand. So when it's 
seems it can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything he starts We'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough Bigger than the fear that surrounds me Bigger than the chains that it bound me Bigger than the story my past could tell Bigger than the weight of tomorrow Bigger than the hurt and the sorrow Bigger than the lies I've told myself So when it seems it can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough We'll finish everything he starts We'll meet us right here where we are I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything He starts He'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough Yeah, I know God is big enough That was the Clark family with Big Enough here on Faith FM. We have come to question of the day time, but before we get into our question of the day, we still have another quiz for the clue that has not yet been answered. See if you can do two in one day. Uh, Our number is 1-800-324-843, and the clue is... Another quote. The astrologers assured the king... There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. Okay, so you're looking for a book of the Bible that has astrologers in it. Of course, astrology is always a very dodgy thing to get involved in. All right, Mon, what is our question of the day today? Yeah, interesting question that has come in from one of our listeners, and we appreciate it when our listeners do uh, ask hard, curly, interesting questions. We welcome all kinds of questions. Today is this. Lyle, does baptism replace the Sabbath? Yeah, now that's an interesting one. And the idea behind this was that, you know, baptism, death, burial, and resurrection, um, the, a symbol of the grace and power of God, replaces the Sabbath, which was anciently a symbol of the power and grace of God. The important thing to note here is the two different aspects of God's power and God's grace that are symbolized by these two different symbols. Okay, so to look at what the symbol, what 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 part of God's grace and power is symbolized by the Sabbath, we simply read the commandment back in Exodus chapter twenty, where it says, uh, "Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall work be done. Shall shall you labor and do all your work?" Uh, and then it continues on down in verse eleven. Four. So now it's going to give the reason for the Sabbath. Four. In six days, the Lord made heaven, earth, the sea, and all that in them is. 
all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Okay, so yes, the Sabbath is a symbol of God's grace and power. It is a symbol specifically of his creative power. If we, in creating the world and the universe and, you know, everything that is in it. If we go over to Romans chapter 6, we find out what baptism is a symbol of, and it is also a symbol of God's creation and power, but it is a very, very different symbol, and it symbolizes a very different part or a very different aspect of God's grace and power. So in Romans chapter 6, where are we? Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, the Bible says, Know you not, that as many of you as as you as so many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Want you notice here that baptism is a symbol of death, burial, and resurrection. The Sabbath is never a symbol of death, burial, and resurrection. The Sabbath is a symbol of God's power to create the world and the universe. Baptism is a symbol that we have died to self, that we have the old person that we used to be has been buried, and we are now living a new life. We've been resurrected as a new person in Jesus Christ. It goes on in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man, that's who we used to be, is crucified with Jesus, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that from here on we should not serve sin. And so while one symbol looks to the creative power of God in creating the universe, the other looks at the redemptive power of God that we see on the cross, where Jesus gained the victory over Satan, he destroyed the power of Satan, and thus offers to us salvation through his power and grace. So yes, they are both about God's power and grace, but two very, very different aspects. And you can't do away with either of them because both of them are just as important to the concept of salvation. If you have a question, give us a call. Lyle will be happy to answer anything you have. Our number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text your answers 0491-064-669. We do have some people who like to write in uh, very long questions, and they are more than welcome to do so. Uh, you just said text your answers through. Sorry, text questions. <laughs> text questions. Uh, that's right. But if you do want right, to email a bit of an essay, that's fine. Uh, just head to our website. It's faithfm.com.au and write it to us in an email. And uh, we'll be happy to write it to you there. Uh, answer, answer it there. So, yeah, send them all in. We love to answer. There's Nathan Young. Take me to the water. Take me to the water to be baptized. Bury me with Jesus, the crucified. Plunge me in the fountain, and may I rise. 
be baptized What a joy and blessing To be baptized As a testimony Of a work inside Jesus' blood has cleansed me and to new life he me rise. I've come to the water to be That was Nathan Young with Take Me to the Water. That definitely goes well with the answer to the quiz, which would well, not the answer to the quiz, the question of the day, which was talking about baptism along with uh, the Sabbath, but that song, of course, focusing on baptism. And, uh, Mon, we have a we have come to the end of our show. We've come to the end of the week. Yes, we have, and we have a really special book to give away right An now. End of show, end of week book. <laughs> yes, and it's totally free. Totally free. All you have to do is be the first person to call us right now at one eight hundred Faith FM, and you could grab yourself a free copy of Spirit Baptism and New Wineskin Fellowship, uh, which is a really great book written by Dennis Smith. And it says, "Do you want to experience the amazing joy and fulfillment of genuine Christian fellowship? Do you want the Christian experience that believers had the day, uh, the following the day of Pentecost, and learn how to experience revival and keep the flame of revival burning in your life and church?" So we've been talking about baptism. This is a bit more about spirit baptism, but this is a, this is a wonderful book by a wonderful writer, um, Pastor Dennis Smith, and uh, he he has a special ministry um, teaching about the Holy Spirit and about baptism. So yeah, give us a call. Get a copy of New um, Spirit Baptism and New Wineskin Fellowship by Dennis Smith. Yes, Dennis Smith uh, on this subject is one of the most uh, popular authors that uh, I've come across, and so many people just share so many testimonies of how they've been just you know so blessed by what he yes, has to share. Very much so. Well, Mon, the end of another week. Of course, tomorrow is the Sabbath, and if you come to Maitland Church, I'm going to be speaking on the subject of Second Peter. 
And then you can stay for lunch after you've heard Lyle speak about Second Peter. And then you can stay uh, for a little bit of afternoon nap. We can't stay for that. But then you, you can, can stay, stay for an afternoon nap. Yeah. Not going to bother me. That's right. Yeah, slip out on the front lawn. We will do it in the sunshine sometime. But then at five thirty, of we course. Well, I have. <laughs> uh, at five thirty, starts the Maitland trivia and costume party. Um, so I'm coming as a daisy. You're coming as a what delinquent? Digger. Oh, that's right, a digger. <laughs> and uh, you've got to work I have to put some effort in to come as a digger. Yeah. <laughs> have you started yet? <laughs> anyway, have a wonderful weekend. We hope to see you uh, at Maitland Church, but stay blessed.
Yeah. 